Blog Talk Radio. Hi, everyone. Welcome to the Born to Talk Radio Show. I'm your host, Marsha Witeka. Conversations plus connections equals community. Those are my three C's. The heart of my show is what's your story? It's my belief we all have stories. Some are similar, others are uniquely different. Storytelling brings the passions of my guests to life through our conversations. So be prepared to be entertained, informed, and inspired. Welcome to today's show. Well, happy Monday, everyone. What a great way to start the week. I just love the fact that my podcast each week focuses on what's good in life. And today's guest is my friend, Lisa Schwab. She is the owner of Cannellini's Salerno Beach Restaurant in Playa del Rey. And I want to welcome you to the show. Hi, Lisa. Hi, Marcia. Thank you so much for having me. Oh, this is going to be a blast. And for those of you that, you know, have been following me, that, that know me personally, or perhaps you've come to get to know me, I'm involved in a lot of different things in my community besides what I do professionally, which is this, this um, podcast. But this show is about Lisa, and we do have some connections, and that will come out as we talk. But I thought, Lisa, we could really just start off with getting our listeners to know about you because, to me, without knowing who my guest is, I think that's a key component. I like people knowing, well, who is your guest, and then what is she or he all about? So let's tell our listeners a little bit about yourself. The ball is in your court, my friend. Tell us about yourself. Well, I'm a native Californian. I was born in Van Nuys and raised in Hawthorne. And it's kind of a long story, but ended up uh, being raised by my Italian grandparents. I really feel, I really feel quite blessed that, it was a little bit of a stroke of luck for me, I would say. Um, not so great circumstances uh, for my mother, but um, her first marriage, um, I think it went 18 years, uh, ended poorly. And my father was her second marriage. And, you know, it was one of those things where I think um, she saw an opportunity. And I don't know that they necessarily took the time to uh, make sure it was a good a union and it dissolved very rapidly. So I was born, they were already um, not working and my grandfather made the decision to, uh, you know, offer to take me home with he and my grandmother and raise me until she could get on her feet. And it ended up being uh, the place that I stayed. So I, uh, I had a wonderful Italian household. Uh, to uh, spend my childhood in. And I I have to say, I had a wonderful, wonderful childhood. Was that, were your grandparents in um, 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 Hawthorne when you were living with them? Is that where they were were living? Yeah, they originally came to Boston from Abruzzi, which is in Italy. They met there, married, and had two girls. And, uh, you know, my grandmother's family began moving to California in like the 40s. So my oh. grandparents followed and they all settled. It's funny, but they did settle in the Hawthorne area 
And, um, you know, back in those days, it was the quintessential small town. It was absolutely lovely. Yes. And, you know, my grandfather bought this home on a corner lot, and it had a huge backyard, lots of trees, you know, avocados and peaches and grapevines. And he grew every imaginable fruit and vegetable. Just an amazing, amazing taste of kind of the old country. It's interesting. Um, did you did you go to Hawthorne High School? I didn't actually. It's funny because I went to Hawthorne. Uh, I went to Washington Elementary, Hawthorne Intermediate, which were two blocks from my house, and then mm-hmm. I went to my ninth grade year at Losinger uh, because I followed some friends there. We were we, I was able to go to either one. I went to Losinger for ninth grade, and then um, that's when my grandmother uh, became. You know, she became a little. Uh, too uh, ill to be able to take care of me. So I moved into with my mother for the first time. So I went from living in Hawthorne my whole life to living in Brentwood, which is where my mother lived and went to uni high. And that's where I graduated. Oh, that's very interesting. What an interesting um, way to start your life, Lisa. I, I, mm. um, I, I think I, because I do know, um, know you, I suspect that you took the good from all of these experiences. Um, I, I'm kind of curious about your Italian grandparents. Uh, did they speak Italian in the home? They did when I was small, but the funny thing is my grandfather became more interested in learning English. So I remember having Italian be natural language then when I started school, he became very focused in actually learning what I was learning. So I would get extra copies of my handwriting homework, and I would help him practice the alphabet. It was really so cute. It was just so cute. He was very committed to learning, and he did not know how to read and write. And, you know, that's what we spent a lot of our evenings doing. Um, you know, the, the thing about my grandfather is he – he just had such a, a zeal for everything life. He played every instrument by ear, the accordion, the guitar, the mandolin. He never knew how to read music and he would memorize all these lyrics from all these crazy old songs. And I just remember that. I remember sitting at the edge of, you know, wherever he was playing and just being captivated by all of the music and the songs and the laughter, just an amazing human being. I am so fortunate that I had those early years with him. The devastating part of that is he, uh, he died right before my seventh birthday. Um, So, you know, what, what ended up being my grandparents took me in to help my mom ended up that I had this amazing relationship with them followed by once my grandfather died they thought it would be best if I stayed in the house with my grandmother so she wouldn't be alone. So it ended up being a reason why I ended up staying, uh, you know, close to my grandmother all those years. And boy, did I benefit from that. That's so, so how old were your, were your grandparents? Were they married in Italy before they came here or did they come here? as No, they married in Boston. Oh, no kidding. Yeah. They both, they both, they both came from the same region to the same area in Boston, met there and married. It's it's just such a great story. 
truly. And did, while you were, so I, I guess what I'd like to know, so you're teaching your grandpa English. Conversely, was he helping you to speak <laughs> Italian and learn Italian? Did it go back and forth? No, because honestly, they just wanted to be Americans. Do you know, like they wanted, they wanted to, you know, they had this, this way of being that, that old country idea that, you know, you assimilate. And even though they did speak Italian and they had plenty of Italian friends and we had lots of Italian family, um, they felt that it was really uh, important for them to learn American customs. And they, and they worked really hard at that, which I thought was very cool. What, what, what line of work did your grandpa do? that he didn't really need to to need the English. He was a machinist. And from my recollection, he worked at North American aviation. Um, I believe at that point, that was El Segundo. Um, It was. But anyway, you know, that's where, that's where everybody worked. You know, Hawthorne, most of our neighbors, um, all the men worked at Northrop. That was the big employer. Right. So, you know, he was in that industry, and, and unfortunately, he had, um, he had an accident. Something happened um, on one of the machines he was working on. So my memories are my grandfather not working. He actually was injured and, and didn't work. And you have to remember, my grandparents were uh, quite a bit older when they took me in. I mean, it's, it's incredible that they took a, an infant into their home at their age. Mm-hmm. That's really interesting. You know, I, I know that because this is an internet show, people can be listening anywhere. And but you and I happen to both be local, and you weren't really raised that much farther from where I was raised in Westchester. And certainly, mm-hmm. what I remember about Hawthorne, I mean, when my husband graduated from college, that's you. You went to work in the aerospace if you were an engineer, and that's what he did. That's what brought him out from Detroit. But the other big mm-hmm. employer in Hawthorne, and you probably remember this too, is Mattel. That was the headquarters right. for Mattel Toys for for a very, very long time. So uh, it's it's interesting. But you're right about what you just said. I've ex- I have very close friends that did something very similarly to what you did. What happened with you? Where grandparents, you know, their grandparents' age. They are not thirty year olds. Your were your grandparents right. in their fifties when they took you in? I want to say my grandfather was in his 60s. It, okay. It, it, you know, it, uh, it's, it's quite remarkable that they made the commitment that they did. Um, oh, you that's know, so nice. My, uh, that's true. my parents, you know, their, their marriage dissolved, and I did not know my father. I don't, I don't know that I ever got any real details. It just was... My mom and my three sisters lived in the valley, and I lived with my grandparents in Hawthorne, and that's what I knew. And any uh, any conversations about my father, you know, nobody knows where he is. That was what I was told, you know, throughout my childhood. And fortunately, I had such strong, you know, family members that, you know, I didn't, didn't feel a huge void, but there is kind of a funny moment in my life. And that's when I was five, I was at my aunt's house who lived in Torrance, and there was a ring of the bell. It was a Christmas morning, and I went 
and opened the door, and there was this shiny little Schwinn bicycle on the porch with training wheels and a note to Lisa from your father, from your daddy. And I will never forget how bizarre that was for me because I had no connection to who this person was, how that happened, if it was really him, if it was a setup. It's just the funniest thing. But as a five-year-old, it is one of my treasured memories. I remember that bicycle, my first bicycle from my dad. So, you know, it's you take from life the moments that you can. Absolutely, Lisa. So I didn't realize that you had three sisters. Were they mm-hmm. how 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 did were were they from this your same father or was there No. They a, were they, they were from my mom's first marriage. So they're my half sisters and uh you know, they they were all here in California. My oldest sister actually passed away a couple of years ago. She had mm-hmm. uh chronic uh, emphysema and that was a very big loss for us, but um you know, she's got lots of children, grandchildren, great-grandchildren, and the family is quite, quite large. But uh, my sisters, uh, one of which my mother lives with, uh, the other one is here in Palms. So we're all, you know, we're all close in vicinity and can spend time together. So is Schwab, just out of curiosity, is Schwab a German name? You know, my dad's family was from Croatia, you know, Yugoslavia. And uh, I never got a straight answer. The name was actually Svob, S-V-O-B. And in doing research, you know, I determined that there is no W in the Yugoslavian alphabet. It's just so funny to me. We're not really sure. The stories I heard was that maybe the name was changed when they passed through Ellis Island. I don't know. I don't know the real facts. All I know is my father uh, kept the name Schwab. Uh, throughout his life, and um, you know, my my Yugoslavian name is actually Svob. Interesting. So, so I'm you know I'm half half. My my father was 100% Croatian, and my mother 100% Italian. So I'm literally 50/50. You are. So after living with your grandma, and you lived with your grandma, uh-huh. you were how old? How old were you when Till you? Ninth grade. Oh, when you started ninth grade and so now you're with your mom and so with your mom a working mom at this point when you were in the ninth grade yeah she um you know exactly what my grandfather predicted she she had to work very very hard she worked sometimes two to three jobs uh, raising three girls on her own she never did remarry after my father and my earliest recollection of my mother before I ever lived with her was she was an agent for George Soares and this was an entertainment agency. And my mom used to book bands at Disneyland and Knott's Berry Farm. <laughs> and I remember that being kind of cool when I was young, that we would go to the theme parks and watch these bands that she booked. It was just a funny, funny thing. But uh, prior to that, I know she had a career at Universal Studios. Um, and during that time, she had met a woman who had the cigar and cigarette concession at Chasen's restaurant in Beverly Hills. This was, you know, a thing. They owned the inventory and they did the hat and coat check. And, you know, this woman had a, uh, uh, she did all the parties for Chasen. So she asked my mom to come work for her part time. So over the years, 
uh, that woman retired and she sold her concession to my mother. So when I moved in with her, she owned that little business within Chasen's and she also did the reservations and stuff uh, for the restaurant. So, you know, my mom was the face and voice of Chasen's in Beverly Hills for over 30 years. It's quite incredible the, the career she had there. Really? And for people that are not local, that, that was that was one of the restaurants, wasn't it? I mean, Chasen's was yeah. very, very well known. I know my family never went there. You you had to have some money to go to Chasen's in Beverly Hills. <laughs> That's really something. Yeah, I mean, you oh know, this was gosh. Hollywood. This was Hollywood. You know, everybody from you know movie stars and icons to every president that was living throughout that time. I mean, it was really quite amazing the the events that she worked in the people that that had uh, events in the restaurant i mean back then uh, they had oscar parties and people's choice awards and golden globes i mean they had everything there and they had uh, very uh, very large catering arms so she did uh, many 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 parties up at the reagan's so um you know as a kid it's pretty pretty interesting what she was doing yes but, from the perspective of living with her, you know, she didn't get home until, you know, one o'clock, two o'clock in the morning. Sometimes it was very interesting to go from living with my grandmother who was always home to somebody who wasn't, it was very, very interesting, but you know, it also gave me new tools. I, and you know, I think that's one thing that I know about you is your tool belt is holds a lot of tools. And we're going to be discovering that as we kind of talk about some of the things that um, you are so involved with. And I, that's I, when you when you think when I think of Chasen's, I also think of the other restaurant that just sort of just pops in my head, which is which is because Chasen's is no longer in business, correct? Right. It's a Bristol Farms okay. now. It's crazy. Oh, how me. funny! But it's funny. So the other <laughs> restaurant that I think of that's of that genre that we also did not go to was the Brown Derby because they, right. they were sort of, you know, they were really iconic restaurants. And, and, you know, sometimes you don't even realize when you're youngsters that where we grew up, where you and I were living within, within a 30 minute, 30 mile radius or less, we had Sony studios. We had, we had MGM. We had all of these. My grandparents lived in Culver city they lived down the street from where Sony is today. And, mm-hmm. I mean, I suppose you think that that's a big deal, but when you're just playing with your cousins and you're at your grandma's house, you don't really think about, gee, are there any movie stars around? Because that is, this isn't what your reality is when you are a child living and hanging with your cousins and grandparents. So I'm sure you didn't really, I mean, maybe by ninth grade you had a little bit more, you know, understanding of that. But that, that is really, really interesting. And what I what I really want to talk about now and is there is a real story about cannellinis. And um, I would recommend that if people are interested in, in also just visiting your website, and I'll, I will make sure that it's in my written blog. But for those of you listening, if you go to Salerno, and I'm going to spell that for you, it's S-A-L-E-R-N-O, beach, just like the beach, Dot com, you can go to the Cannellini's website and see an awful lot of wonderful things that happen in this restaurant. And I'd like to spend some time now really talking about 
the history and how how grandma became such a huge part of your life and how you ended up where you are today. So let's let's talk about the how it happened that you've come to own this restaurant. You know, it's interesting for me that my mother was in the restaurant industry and while I was frustrated as a child that she was never available on holidays, I can't believe sometimes that I'm in the restaurant business. It's really funny to me. I never in a million years thought that would happen. My career has always been in accounting. I did, um, you know, business management and uh, bookkeeping. I had my own bookkeeping practice for years um, for many uh, small businesses. And when when I stumbled on to Salerno Beach, it's just because, you know, again, I'm a local and we would go to Playa del Rey primarily to uh, get a little bit of, uh, you know, uncrowded uh, shoreline and be able to decompress. And there was this little restaurant there, Salerno Beach, owned by Giovanni. So Giovanni came from a similar region to my grandparents. And I was very interested in things like his lasagna, his, his red sauces. They were all very similar. Well, I got to know him over the years, and I never really wanted to eat there because the restaurant was just, I mean, anybody who knows Salerno Beach in the past, he had Christmas ornaments everywhere. They were hanging from the inside ceiling. He had Santa Clauses and all these things on the roof. It was just crazy. But that was his thing, and he was, you know, the peasant who loved to sing opera and had this, you know, crazy family-style place. The thing about it is I got to know him over time. I ended up moving into Playa del Rey in 1995, and I used to grab food on my way home. And, you know, I went in there one day with friends, and he was gone. And this other hmm. guy owned it. And I was like, what happened to Giovanni? And he said, well, you know, he retired and I bought it. And, you know, now I'm going to, you know, I'm going to be operating, you know, basically his restaurant uh, under new ownership. Well, the guy that bought it from him, unfortunately, was just a very poor fit. Uh, he was an Italian. He didn't really seem to understand uh, how to carry it forward, and subsequently he was failing. So I didn't know any of this. What I did know was I was heartbroken that Giovanni sold it, and I wasn't aware. Well, come to f- fast forward three years, some friends of mine went into the restaurant and said, you know, they gave me a call and said, you know that crazy Italian place down by your house with the Christmas ornaments? I said, yeah. Well, they're closing. So I was, you know, what do you mean they're closing? Well, the guy that took it over from Giovanni isn't making it, and he's going to close. Now, this was December of 1999. So I was so disturbed by it, and I picked up the phone the next day, and I called this guy. And I said, I was told by some friends of mine that you're closing the restaurant. He said, yeah, I just haven't been able to get the customers to uh, support me. And I said, well, would you mind having lunch with me? So I met with him for lunch that day. And mind you, this was December 28th of 1999. Oh, my goodness. We had lunch. Well, he was closing at the end of the year, right? So we met for lunch that afternoon. 
I penciled a deal on the back of my placemat at the restaurant that we had lunch, and I took it over January 2nd of 2000. It was really one of those moments in life where I can't really describe to you what the force was, but I laugh now because I think, man, if I'd have thought that through, I probably wouldn't have done it. But it was just one of those things where I loved what Giovanni had created, even though it had run down over the years. I loved that he had the same kind of the same energy that my grandfather had, you know, that love life, love, you know, feeding people, love having people, you know, uh, come together and the singing and the music. It was very compelling to me. And the thing that I think was the most interesting was, of course, I could bring my heritage, my grandparents to life there. So I did it. I jumped in. I spoke to the staff the next day. They were all thrilled to not be losing their jobs. And I jumped in. I jumped into a business that I knew absolutely nothing about. And it was really one of those moments in time. I mean, I tell people all the time, some of the best things happen when you don't really have the time to make a plan. Sometimes they happen at the worst possible moments in life. And there is no ever being ready for something like that. I just did it. And the evolution from 2000 to where I am today, I mean, Marsha, I'm celebrating 20 years in January. I am, I am like, I get chills when I think about what has transpired in these last 20 years. It has been absolutely amazing to me. I have live music on Sundays and have had it that way since I took over. It's an homage to my grandfather. I have a little trio that comes in every Sunday from 6.30 to 9.30, and they play music in the, you know, just not a cover charge, nothing, like it's, it's nothing formal. It's just creating music, entertaining our guests, you know, with, with my grandfather in mind. And, of course, my menu, everything that my grandmother ever taught me, homemade pastas, raviolis, gnocchis, all the sauces, everything that she believed in in terms of simplicity and freshness and, and really cooking from your heart, cooking from love. That is what Cantalini's was created to be, and that's what it is today. And I, I tell you, it's not easy being a small restaurant. It's not easy being a small business owner. It is very, very challenging at times. But the part of it that means so much to me is that I have an opportunity to give thanks and express my, you know, real appreciation for the gifts that I received as a child. And the other part of it is Chasen's did eventually close. It closed three years before I took over Cantalini's. And it's been a place where my mother has had an opportunity to uh, reclaim some of, uh, you know, what the restaurant business provided her. And there was, you know, she's 92 now. Uh, She doesn't come in as often. But when she was able to come in, watching her walk around and talk to customers and having people, uh, you know, uh, be interested in visiting with her and, you know, having her share her stories. That was everything to me. It, 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 all of these pieces could not be more personal 
It meant so much to her. It's meant so much to my family. My niece still works with me. She's been with me since she oh. was 19. She's 34 now. She's, uh, she's a big part of Cantalini's and, and is so proud to be a part of uh, a family restaurant. And I mean, it's all these things, all these pieces. I just can't, I can't put into words the gratitude that I feel. Our customers are our friends. Every customer that has been at Cantalini's has been just an amazing moment for me. Well, it's, I can tell really you. It's really hard to, as, it's hard to describe. I can, I can tell you as someone that has eaten there on numerous occasions that that is the feeling that you get when you go into a family restaurant. When I was a child and I grew up in the Manchester Square area that no longer has any houses any longer, mm-hmm. there was a little restaurant that was near our house called Cece's. It was on Manchester Boulevard in Inglewood. And one of our neighbors was a waitress there. And we didn't go out that often as a family. We just didn't have that kind of discretionary income. But when we did go out, that's where we went because it felt like our community restaurant where you're located and with with our with our community widening between Playa del Rey and Playa Vista and Westchester and Culver City and the surrounding communities where you're located. It it has that, you know, it's like I, I'm putting my hand like I'm about to pledge, right? I put my hand over my heart, Lisa, because it does have that feeling in there. It has that, not only is the food delicious, but the environment makes you feel like your home. And you don't get that in a lot of places that we that we go. You can you can feel that the love is through the food, and you are so generous. Um, and we're going to talk about some of your community involvements and what you have done to give back to the community on in so many areas. Um, and oftentimes it's that food. Like, where's the food from? Oh, it's from Lisa. It's like, oh God, that's so good. That's right. That's that pasta. That's that, that, that pesto pasta that's so delicious. I mean, my mouth is watering. I think I need to go there for dinner tonight. <laughs> it is, it, it's so good. And, I mean, it, it's really, it really is that good. And I actually have had a, a guest on my show. Gosh, you know, it, it was when I was still in the studio, Celeste Barbary. I, I was mm-hmm. connected to Celeste. She's that, she's got a beautiful voice and she's that, that old style of singing that just is so, oh, it's just so fabulous. And I know that she has um, been to your restaurant on Sundays as well. And it's, it's really great. And I would just tell those, those of you that are close enough to come for a visit that Lisa does post on Facebook and there are places within her website that let you know who you can expect to hear in the restaurant each Sunday. But it's just, I don't know, it's just an outpouring of who you are. So you know what I'm curious to know, because I am always curious about things like this. Do you just personally love to cook? Did you just get that yourself? It's a natural extension of being Italian, right? Mm -hmm. I love to cook. And I'm quite, um, I'm quite creative when I cook, meaning I'm not so thrilled to clean up after myself sometimes, but 
at the end of the day, I have that passion that my grandmother instilled in me. You know, she had a very, you know, she had a simple uh, perspective about uh, what she provided. It was fresh. It was delicious. It was absolutely simple. Simple flavors was key, right? Knowing how to cook was really an extension of your soul. It never, you know, I laugh about this all the time. There never was a recipe. My my family didn't believe in that. Everybody always, please tell me how to make your meatballs. Tell me how to make, she'd be like, you have to know what, what I'm going to teach you. Come and feel it. This is how it's supposed to feel. It's how it's supposed to smell. She didn't, she didn't have any concept of how to tell you. You have to do it. And that's what I benefited from as a child. I got to feel it, to taste it, to smell it, to understand it. And I really do feel that I understand the gift of cooking from your heart, of really understanding that it's bigger than the food. It's really about feeding people. It's about providing something in your family, in your community that speaks to, you know, what you can give. My grandmother gave. She picked fresh vegetables out of our garden and she would, you know, take them down the street to the lady that lived by herself. This is what I grew up with. It was a being a good neighbor. It was being willing to share your blessings, never turning your back on people that, that, needed a little extra something. I loved how they were. I loved how easy it was for them to be so, just such a good, good neighbor. They really were that. And, you know, being in Cantalini's, I'm, I don't need to tell you, we live in a lovely community. Playa del Rey, mm-hmm. Westchester, Marina del Rey. Mm-hmm. It is really quite amazing. All the organizations yes. that are there, everybody's pulling in the same direction and trying to do well by our police and our schools. And it's, it's, it's a dream come true really. And I love to, I love to be asked to be involved. It's, it's, it's such an honor for me when people come to me and ask me to help. Well, one thing I can say in regards to what you just said, number one, you are extremely humble. That's just who you are. I can so relate. My mother wasn't that cook, but my mother-in-law was. And my mother-in-law and father-in-law, Polish. And they referred to what they ate as peasant food. That was the term they gave it. Right. That's and there right. Were That's what my no, grandma said. Yes. And there were no recipes. And it's like, well, now, well, wait, wait, wait a minute. Okay, so you're making fresh kielbasa, and now I have her meat grinder. A lot of good that's doing me. It's another antique on a shelf. <laughs> but I'm seriously, I'm not kidding you. And, and and she would, you know, I'm Jewish. You know, my mother can make chicken soup. Okay, may she also rest in peace. My mother loves chicken soup. Oh no, I mean, that is her chicken soup. My, that makes my mouth water. It didn't matter what time of the night we got into Detroit. It didn't matter if it was the daytime, the nighttime, whatever. There was a pot of chicken soup waiting for us. It just called you in. So when you're talking about these memories, oh, I, I, so, I so understand what you're saying. And she would say the same thing. 
Gawumpke is a stuffed cabbage. Well, mm. how do you make it? Well, you just have to watch. And you have to feel, Marsha, <laughs> feel the cabbage. What do you mean feel the right. cabbage? What the heck is it supposed to feel like? Do you see that it's thin? This is, you, you don't want thick cabbage. And it's like, okay, so I'm just like writing notes and writing notes and hoping somebody, somebody other family member gets all this stuff because it does get passed down. And so I can appreciate when you say, do I love to cook? Well, heck yeah. You, that's part of the foundation of, of how you grew up. And it's just, it's just, it's just fabulous. And that's why it, it comes through in your food, whatever it is that, that you are serving. And I know you are passionate about so many things, Lisa. And I really want to talk about, I mean, something just big happened yesterday, and we're going to get to that in just a minute. But you've been honored by the Biona Wetlands uh, in a couple of weeks, and people that don't live here won't even know what the Biona Wetlands is. Can you can you just share with us um, what, what you're being honored for and what that's all about? Well, the Friends of Biona Wetlands, um, you know, they have their offices in the building where my restaurant office is. So, you know, I've had the opportunity to get to know them uh, more personally over the years, but I will tell you their mission to educate, advocate, protect, and restore this ecosystem that is in the center of Playa del Rey is hugely important. And I've been a, a longtime supporter of them. I think when I look out my office window and I see all these school buses lined up and the children going out and learning about our native habitats. I mean, how terrific what they do is and how important, you know, I'm a native Californian, as I said, and as, you know, as I see so much change occur in the landscape here, I am fiercely committed to trying to protect whatever natural resource we have left. And the wetlands is an amazing sample of what was before all the development. I mean, I still drive down Culver to this day, and I'm just astonished that we were able to protect that small swath of, of ecosystem. It is really a gift to our community, and I, I, I am taken aback by the, uh, the whole concept that they want to give me the Community Champion Award. It is a huge honor to me. Um, they have this event every year called the Moonlight on the Marsh, and it's an opportunity for them to, uh, you know, to raise money and and uh, give out some acknowledgments for uh, members of the community. And I I do feel not only honored, but really, um, it's a really special um, honor for me because I know so many of the people that are involved in so much of the work that has gone in. I mean, I've been in Playa del Rey since 1995 and I have watched how this has evolved and the fights that have ensued and the compromises that have been made and, and what was, what was finally uh, protected. I, I just think what they've done is incredible and walking through there and looking at the little El Segundo blue butterflies and, all the native plants that they've been able to restore. I mean, it, it's astonishing. It, it really is. I, uh, I, I, very, I, very, I so agree very with you. Honored. One of the things that I do in that same area is I'm a bird brain 
I, I'm into the birds. Mm. And the Audubon, the Audubon is over in that area. And I have, do you, do you know Cindy? Um, yes. she's, a, she's a Playa del Rey person. Cindy Harden, I mm-hmm. believe is your last name. Mm-hmm. She was a guest on my show a couple of years ago. And when you t- when you walk those wetlands and you walk along that area, the, I think it's the first Saturday of the month, and like you said, bring the school children over and let them learn about the flora, the fauna, the ecosystem. It it it's, it is really interesting, and I can certainly appreciate why um, you feel so honored to be recognized for that because it it, it is really tremendous. But gosh, I mean the the things that you have been involved in, I mean, it, it, it could fill um, both arms worth of just writing just the name of the organization, because Lisa, you, you really are really, truly active in the community. I, I know that the last, one of the times that I was at Cannellini's, there was a whole group of ladies that were in there. They were older ladies. They were older than me, and and I'm an older lady, and and I thought, I know you. I know. Wait, wait. What are you guys all doing here? They were the Lady Elks because mm-hmm. you are part of the Elks uh, Elks Lodge, correct? It's Lodge. It's not called Elks. It's not called yeah. Elks Club, but Elks Lodge. And in fact, thanks to you, my friend, after the Fourth of July parade on that earthquake Saturday that none of us felt, but I sure felt it the next day at Dodger <laughs> Stadium. Um, we were sitting at this long table, and uh, we had this party back at the Elks Lodge, and I was sitting next to this woman, and you said to me, Marcia, you need to know her. This is Angie. I don't even think you told me her last name. Anyway, it was Angie McCartney, and thanks to you, Angie and Ruthie McCartney were on my show just a couple of weeks ago because that is the beauty of Connections. Like you said, when people come into your restaurant, they're made to feel like family. But I think wherever you go, people feel like they're part of your family. When when you were when you were planning this trip to New England, it was like, oh my gosh, you know, you need to go here and you need to go there. But don't forget to miss that and blah 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 blah, because we have all of these different um, connections to to things that we all love. And my, you, you said about the washing the dishes. So here's how it worked in my house with the, with the what do I have, a six-burner stove. I ha, you, could, you could run a restaurant out of my kitchen, but you have to have the chef in there to do it. Um, fortunately, my chef left the building. And so when he died, you know, it's like, oh, my God, who's going to cook for mom? Well, nobody cooks for mom. That's just how it works. But I didn't mind washing the dishes. Oh, no. I didn't mind. You should, I should give you my plate. You know, everything was plated just right because I liked that, and I would be happy to wash the dishes. So anyone that knows a cook knows that that's pretty darn exciting to, to know a cook. I, I'm, I'm all in favor of that. But let's talk, let's talk a little bit about um, all of a sudden our time will be gone. Let's talk a little bit about Rotary because that's really important to you, and I did want to make sure that you, that you spoke about Rotary and, and also what you just did this past weekend. Uh, at the airport marina, what you did for the airport marina counseling service. So I know I'm kind of jumping all over the place, but I wanted to make sure that you were able to get some of those subjects in. You want to talk a little bit about both of those organizations and why they mean so much to you? Absolutely. You know, Rotary is something that 
um, a lot of people um, who don't know the current Rotary, you know, equate to, you know, the old guys club. And it's really not that anymore. Rotary International is an amazing resource. And I say resource because the focus of literacy and sanitation and water all over the world is mind-blowing when you really get to understand how many clubs there are, how many people there are making a difference in communities everywhere. The efforts with regard to polio eradication, um, you know, bringing in um, just supplies and uh, the new thing now, of course, is um, providing uh, not micro loans, but opportunities to uh, create uh, vocations. So, you know, we might bring in uh, sewing machines or, you know, cooking equipment, baking equipment in towns that don't have the ability to, uh, you know, support themselves, you know, farming assistance. Uh, so just it just goes on and on and on. And our local clubs, of course, work to support the international efforts as well as the community and our particular club, the Playa Venice Sunrise Club. It's a sunrise club because we meet in the morning. Uh, our club meets on Wednesdays at Whiskey Reds in the Marina, and we, uh, you know, we're known as a breakfast club, and we uh, have an opportunity to uh, work directly with our police department, fire department, our local schools. Uh, we do a program every year, the teacher mini grants, which is really, really. N- dear to me. It's raising um, monies for teachers to, they actually apply for projects that they want to do in their classrooms that the schools uh, don't have, you know, funding for. So we get all these amazing requests for anything from 100 to $400 for teachers that uh, want to provide Uh, those extra, whether they're uh, science-related or math-related, reading-related tools and projects for their students. It is so heartwarming to read all of the requests. And we give out, you know, upwards to $30,000 in small mini-grants to these teachers. It is just incredible. And that's just a small sampling of, uh, you know, the kind of local community work that we do. Um, And that's every year. Right. I am, every but year. that's that's every year. That's not many grants now and then, but it's every year. Right. And right. Um, because you and I are also part of the Chamber of Commerce, and I and I I go to the Chamber Education Committee meetings where all those principals and some parent volunteers show up. We know what those dollars mean in today's education mm-hmm. environment, where they where teachers are constantly dipping into their own pockets to get things. And when you can provide microscopes or books or, you know, something to a kindergarten classroom, it is, it is really heartwarming to know that we are part of a club that does that. And like you said, globally, eradicating polio. I mean, I would say to anyone that's listening, if you've got the time and you don't have to go every single week, sometimes it's just difficult for both of us. We you know, we, we meet at 7.15 in the morning once a week. Sometimes mm-hmm. your schedule doesn't allow for that. But wherever you live, I can assure you, there is a Rotary. And there is a Chamber of Commerce, too. But 
if you want to feel like you are making a difference, Rotary is certainly a tremendous organization to belong to. And I know that we both uh, get a a great deal out of being part of the Rotary. But just this past weekend, because like I said, we could just spend the entire show just going from organization to organization to organization. Uh, I think you at one time were the honorary mayor. Is that true? It is. Were you the honorary? Yep. I yeah, was, that's what I thought. I was uh, cutting ribbons for new business uh, <laughs> members of the chamber for a whole year, and I absolutely loved it. I loved oh, that's meeting. So awesome. You know, new businesses. You know, businesses that uh, that came on board with the chamber. I just, I really had such a blast that year. And it, you know, all these things are, you know, they're moments in time that mark time. And I will tell you, just to cap what we're talking about with Rotary, I want to tell you that the most important thing to me is living with purpose. Cantalini's gives me an opportunity to be in business with a purpose. Being a Rotarian lets me live my life with that same level of um, intention, right? Like the same thing I explained to you about my grandparents, I live in a different way. I want to share my blessings and I want to be of service. And the only thing, the only thing that being in business for myself can provide really, I mean, yeah, we all work for an income. But it gives me such a great opportunity to be of service in a way that I couldn't otherwise be. Purpose. We, we are an amazing force. The Rotarians, the Chamber of Commerce, the Elks, all the other service clubs in our community. One of the, the things that you were pointing to, AMCS, Airport Marina Counseling mm-hmm. Service, this is an organization that was started by a couple that saw a need in our schools 50 years ago. I saw a need for counselors to be available to families, students that were struggling with mental health issues. And they went about creating a, a center that provides no or low-cost mental health services, not only in the schools, but in the community. They created a, a clinic, and they bring in uh, you know, the therapists who get their clinical hours there who provide the services, you know, obviously in a supervised structure. But the whole model has been so successful. And I see the counselors that go into these schools and what they provide, what they're able to address, especially today when there is so much, uh, you know, there's, there's so little resource for some of these kids that are struggling. I love what AMCS does. I've been on the board now uh, for five years and one of their fundraisers, which is a community event really is the jet Jet to jetty. It's a five ten K that, that happened yesterday. And yes, I put together a team of uh, Cantalini's and uh, the Playa Venice Rotary Club. And we brought, 39 members on our team to walk and run yesterday, and it was absolutely a blast. It was not only a wonderful feeling to raise money for the center, but uh, just the fun and fellowship involved in, in being out in the community and walking for mental health, which is 
what it's all about, right? We walked for mental health, and it's absolutely inspiring to see how many of the local businesses and other community uh, organizations that come together to do this. There, there were uh, over 500 uh, participants. It was just an amazing day. And fortunately, we had overcast, so it made it a lot yes. nicer to walk. Yes. It wasn't uh, blazing heat. But, uh, yeah, it was a lovely, lovely day. And I am happy to say that I did finish the 5K, and our team actually won for the biggest team in the 5K. In the 5K. We got Yay. an award. I know. You know, Lisa, I did not know this until you just told me this. I, I, Mary Ellen and Alan Kassman, well, mm-hmm. Alan, we've, we've lost, but they were absolutely are, because Mary Ellen is still alive, community mm-hmm. treasures. And they yes. still live, she still lives in Westchester. I saw her yesterday. I went to school with her son because we all live in this community. And I did not know that they were bringing the counselors into the schools. I really uh-huh. did not know that. I thought that people strictly went to the clinic for their help. I and I know they they have bereavement groups. They have all kinds of groups. And like you said, a lot of these counselors get their um, beginning and get their hours there. It's it's fabulous. But I did not know that they were going into our schools. And I need to have Eden, um, the CEO of. Um, Airport Marina Counseling Service on my show. We've talked about it, and we need to make that happen because that is pretty pretty remarkable. And congratulations for finishing that 5K. Is that your very first 5K that you've completed? Nope, it's my second, and I did a lot better this time than I did the last time. So that's great. I improved my time, and I I actually uh, had a much better pace. Well, that's that's terrific. I'm 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 proud of you. When, when the, in the last few minutes that we have together before we just have to kiss each other and say goodnight, what do you do, Lisa, when you're not in the office with all those wonderful people you work with, not in the restaurant? Where do you like? Where's your Where's your self care? What do you do to take care of Lisa? Or you, you know, enjoy doing? I love to write. And I also oh. love to read. So I do that whenever possible. I also love music, and I really do wish I could play. I have uh, taken up some guitar lessons, but with my schedule, it's been very hard for me to be committed. But I still have that bucket list thing. I really want to, at some point, try to learn to play the piano. I just have this, this passion for wanting to do that. Um, but what I like to spend my time doing is I love live theater and I love going to the movies. That's one of the things that um, I do pretty frequently. So um, you mentioned the Elks earlier. You know, the Lady Elks um, are an auxiliary of the Elks Lodge. And, you know, they are uh, mostly, um, you know, senior ladies. And I have been the president of the Lady Elks uh, probably <laughs> four times. I love the organization and I love the social aspects, you know, they're a fundraising arm to help care for the lodge uh, in general. But, you know, I put together opera trips. I put together casino trips. I put together uh, trips to go to the museum, whatever it is that, um, you know, we can jump on a bus or rent a van and, and go as a group. I just love 
that. That's one of my favorite things. And we're coming up on an opera um, in October. I'll be taking a group of 20 uh, through the Community Circle program at the Dorothy Chandler. And we're able to uh, we're able to sit right in the dead square of the orchestra and and see the light in the piazza with Renee Fleming. And I I just love <sighs> that opportunity. I love it. I love that opportunity. So we're uh, wow, Lisa. we're scheduled for our next our next little trip, and that's what I love to do. Um, when you said you like to write, what what is that book? Is that book in the makings? I have three books in the making. Oh, good. I, I've got some help for you. When we get off the air, I've got some suggestions. Not that you might not already have some, but, um, you know, I sometimes I tell people, you know, it's like, Marsha, what do you do? I said, well, I'm kind of a cog. It's like, what's a cog? You know, a wheel, then there's that thing in the center. It's like a connector. That's me. Conversations plus connections equals communities and communities doesn't necessarily mean that that's where you live that you live in a community but perhaps you are interested in the opera or you are interested in ballet or you're interested in um, riding horses whatever it might be those are those are or you love to cook those are also um, communities as well and it's always so much fun for me when I have an opportunity to learn more about a person not that I don't care about all of my guests, because I do. I, I'm not a phony. I, I, I don't say, oh, I don't really care about that person. I care about all of my guests because I love stories, and I love to pick them up, and I love to hear them. But it's been especially fun hearing your stories, and I bet you do have a book in there somewhere, and I hope that you have the opportunity to get that out and, and, and to play the piano and and to do those things that just, you know, just bring some peace to your soul. But it sounds like writing and reading is private. That's something that you do for years. But everything else you mm-hmm. do, it's a, it's a connection. And it, it is a joyful connection. Like, oh, my gosh, nothing makes me happier than two. And, it, and the two is help a group of women go to the opera or take a group of people right. to the movies. Or it's, it's just who you are and it's it's just it's just so delightful to know there's so much negative in the world today we both know that and when people say well what are your shows about like i mean what what is what do you do what do you talk about i said well i try not to do most of the talking which in itself is always a bit of a struggle but uh because i was born to talk but i said here's what we don't talk about we don't talk about controversy we talk about what my guests are doing to making a difference, whether it's a nonprofit, whether it's, you know, they've written a book that maybe will help somebody else. Those kinds of things to me are the feel-good stories that we can all benefit and grow from. And podcasting now is so popular, especially where you and I live, where people are often stuck in traffic. You don't have to drive far to work. I don't have to drive to work. I'm I'm sitting in my office in my home. But, you know, for people that, that have to go across the city, it's very difficult sometimes. And maybe you just want to throw a podcast on and, and listen to something. And I think that week after week after week, that is what I get to do. I get to share what people are doing in their lives that, that help others. And 
you're just a, a perfect example, which is why you're being honored, which is why you've been honored before and why people, why you're a magnet, why people are gra- gravitate to you because you're so humble and you're so welcoming and you're so unpretentious that you're just a person that people want to be around. And granted, maybe you didn't get raised exactly like some of us were, but your grandma certainly had a huge impact on you. I can just imagine her rolling out that dough with you right next to her. And your mom's Mm -hmm. business influence had a huge impact on you. And, you know, you're just living the life. And I, I love what you said was it's moments in time you mark in time and that you are living with a purpose and an intention. It, for people that don't know what their purpose is, I kind of feel sorry for them because it's helpful to know what your purpose is. It sends you on the direction that your life was meant to be to make your life feel complete. That's kind of how I look at the word purpose and, and life. And uh, I know I'm doing it as well. And this has just been one great hour, Lisa, of spending time with you, sharing your stories, learning more about you, and just sharing you with my audience. It's been a pleasure having you on my show, truly. Well, it's been a pleasure for me as well. You know, I love what you're doing as a concept. You are bringing to life our community person by person, and that is an amazing undertaking. I appreciate so much the opportunity to be a part of it, Marsha. Thanks. Thanks, Lisa. And so on Wednesday, we'll get up real early and we'll meet at Whiskey Reds. Do you want, I mean, here's my last little story about living here my entire life and you've been in this community for a very long time. Did you remember that Whiskey Reds a million years ago, we're talking 1971, was called Pieces of Eight? Did you know that? I had my bridal shower I there. do, and of course it was Shanghai Reds next. Yep. But at, when it was Pieces of Eight in 1971, this little 20-year-old here, maybe I was 21 at that point, I had my bridal shower there. That's mm. the connections that I continued to have in this community that I love so much. So why wouldn't I want to bring those in this community, and not just this community, because frankly, my guest next week lives in Melbourne, and she's on a book tour, uh, and currently in New York, because she's written a book called The um, Ultimate, um, what is the name of her book? It's called The Ultimate You. She's a, she's a life coach, and she is, she is, she's a podcaster, and she has a coaching institute. So she isn't, she's not a local but that's who I'm going to have next week because that's the pleasure I have of having people share their stories week after week. And it's just been a pleasure sharing your story today with my guest, Lisa. So I won't keep you any longer. You are a very busy woman. Thank you so very much once again for joining me. And until next time, everybody, don't tell your friends. If everybody told one friend to listen, just think what would happen. I have a lot of Facebook friends. I don't know about you. Anyway, thanks a bunch, everybody. I'm going to say goodbye for now. Thank you very much. Thanks, Lisa.